What's up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country? This is Phil Lindsay. Justin Simmons here. This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Vaughn Miller, and you're listening to the Nutra Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Dalala. Hey, Phil, good to see you. It's good to see you too as well, Eric. That's nice. Good to see you also. Are you uh, back in your home there? There's just a void of white behind you. Exactly. This is actually a whiteboard wall behind me, and I'm uh, ready to start writing down some ideas for how the Broncos can get back to the playoffs in 2021. Got it. You're uh, calculating all of the possibilities for how the Broncos could, where they could land in the draft order, right? Right. I'm ready to start charting out the schedule, too, behind me. (laughs) Of course you are. Of course you are. Who's, who are they going to play week one, Phil? You got a prediction? I don't know yet. It's hard okay. to tell. Probably okay. probably like the second game on a Monday night, uh, like probably maybe like the Chargers or Raiders or something like that is what I would guess. Seems about right. Yeah. Um, Eric, we have got a great show in store for NZ Nation today. We're going to talk about what Melvin Gordon had to say this week. He said that uh, – the Broncos have a window coming up here where they could, I'm assuming when you say window, that means contend for a title. And he said that the make it or break it player for the Broncos will be Drew Locke. So I agree. Uh, we'll uh, dive into that a little bit. Do the Broncos have a window coming up when this roster is fully healthy? Do you think that they're going to be one of the better rosters in the NFL and really all that could swing the balance is the play of Drew Locke? So a lot to dive into there, uh, Eric. We'll talk a little bit about Noah Fant and the season that he's had. Of course, at the beginning of the season, he said that he wants to be considered among the top tight ends in the NFL. Uh, George Kittle's had some injury problems this season, so – kind of removed him from that. But Travis Kelsey uh, proved once again that he is the best tight end in the NFL. But where does Noah Fant rank in there, especially as the Broncos get set to face uh, one of the top tight ends in Darren Waller with the Raiders? Um, And then we'll also, uh, Eric, talk a little bit about what's on the line for the Broncos this week. Of course, nothing playoff related for this season, but Eric, we'll talk about where a win or a loss, what that could do for the Broncos draft order. I know that's what you were using your whiteboard for there. Um, We talked a little bit on the previous episode about how it could affect next year's schedule, but right now I'm more interested in draft order and what could uh, hang in the balance here on Sunday for the Broncos. Plus we'll do our usual uh, fact, fact and fiction and fill in the blank, our, our usual shenanigans here and, Eric, uh, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but maybe um, some New Year's resolutions for the Broncos. We can. Oh, could be, be nice. Could yeah. be fun as we uh, turn the page here from 2020 to 2021. Hope everybody has a uh, happy and safe New Year's Eve today. Uh, Eric, uh, if you wanted to be a part of the show and you're part of NZ Nation, one way you could do that is you could leave a voicemail at 707 Neutral. 707 neutral, but you could also uh, write us an email that we'll read here on the air. 
That's right, neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. Getting lots of emails these days, Phil. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, uh, uh, probably the best way to get your email read on the air is to have one really solid email and uh, you make some good points and we'll read that on the air. But let's just keep it to, you know, one email a week, I think is what we're hoping for here, Eric. We'll read, Ben Swanson will read as many emails as people want to send. Ben Swanson, he'll read them all, but he can't handle the, the flood that's coming in. No, and he gets he gets flustered. And we don't have the budget to uh, give him an assistant, you know? No, no, we don't. So, uh, I think the one email a week and then uh, the voicemail too. Of course, we like to play those after the games, but uh, coming up here pretty soon, no more games. So we're going to have to just play them uh, all the time. Wow. <laughs> uh, if you are listening, you could also get in touch with us directly on Twitter at Eric Delala with an A at Phil Milani with a PH, some uh, non-traditional spellings there, um, or just leave a comment right here on YouTube. I know that Jeff Flanagan loves to do that, Eric, and uh, we read all the comments. So We appreciate the nice ones. Exactly. So with that, Eric, uh, let's dive into our first topic here. And uh, I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on the Broncos' future here in the next couple of se- seasons? Melvin Gordon said there's a window of opportunity here, and it really depends on the play of Drew Locke. Sure. I mean, that's the it's true but that's the case for any team. You know, it's not just the Broncos. It's not a thing that's unique to Denver. Um, We've seen in recent years, Phil, when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, you have to take advantage of that window. You know, we've seen that work in Seattle with Russell, Russell Wilson. We've seen that work uh, with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen that work, not maybe to the same extent, but with Deshaun Watson in Houston and what they've been able to do in getting to the playoffs. Uh, certainly when Andrew Luck was in Indianapolis, you know, we've seen again and again, these types of teams take advantage of that situation because you're then able to load up the rest of the roster with free agent talent that might be a little bit more expensive. You can keep some older guys uh, that aren't rookies. And, you know, I think the Broncos are at an even bigger advantage because the rest of their offense is very young too and is on rookie contracts in guys like Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Uh, most of your offensive line. But what happens if you don't take advantage here, Phil, in the next couple of years to at least start challenging for, you know, uh, a division title, an AFC championship, whatever it may be, is you're going to have to extend the guys like Cortland Sutton. You're, you know, you're going to have to extend someone like Justin Simmons and Garrett Bowles. You're going to have to extend Noah Fant at some point. Those things will come up more quickly than people might expect. And so you can't waste seasons where guys are, are playing on inexpensive contracts and you have to make the most of it. And so I think that's what Melvin Gordon means is just, you know, you've got the talent right now. Teams don't often in the free agent era, keep talent for a long time. And so um, you got to make account when you can. And right now drew is the guy that is charged with doing that. Do you believe though, that the Broncos have enough talent right now to actually contend for winning it all? Well, well healthy. You mean? Yes, I'm saying next year, let's say heading into next season, um, the the main pieces are all back on this roster. And if all of a sudden Drew Locke uh, took a big leap this offseason, you know, we heard him talk about how important this offseason is going to be for him and his development. Say he takes full advantage of that, comes back next year and is really on the money. 
could this team contend for at all? Not just, you know, like this year, we thought maybe this team was going to be pretty good. Maybe they could sneak into the playoffs or wild card. Of course, things didn't go that way. Injury problems, you know, uh, uh, no real off season for this team. So not able to really fulfill that. But do you think the Broncos next year might be able to just skip that step and get right to the point where we're, we're talking about an actual window? Well, I, I think for that to happen, the quarterback play has to be better than just okay or um but i mean take away the quarterback does the rest of the roster measure up if you put patrick mahomes in at quarterback for the rest with the rest of the roster this would be a super bowl contender yes i believe that um the the broncos have to figure out defensively what they're going to do phil because there are some big decisions coming up on guys like aj boyer jarrell casey von miller um you know even a guy like Kareem Jackson, you got to figure out Alexander Johnson. Is he back? The defense, which had the highest payroll in the NFL, you now have to make some of these decisions. Who do you keep? Who do you not keep? Uh, Justin Simmons, of course. So, you know, assuming they figure out the defense and that can maintain its, you know, top 10 potential when guys are healthy, the offense absolutely has enough talent. There are probably five to 10 quarterbacks that I think you could put in at QB for the Broncos and with the talent they have on offense and Hamler and Judy and Fant and Melvin Gordon. uh, Yeah. They'd be right in the mix for that, you know, and that's why to me, to me last year, Phil, the team needed more talent on offense. Like I don't think drew was underachieving by any means, just with the rest of the talent that was on the roster. Now I feel like, and I think this is kind of what Melvin meant the rest of the talent is there and they need the quarterback to catch up a little bit in terms of the consistency of play, the, you know, where he can be when he's at his best, because you put a Deshaun Watson, a, uh, a Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, And I, I know we're talking about really good quarterbacks here, but those are, those are the quarterbacks Phil, that compete for Super Bowls. You know, you, you don't often have a quarterback that's league average or below that winds up winning a Lombardi trophy. And so if we're not just talking about, making a wild card and we're talking about, Hey, can you win the AFC championship? Can you go to the Super Bowl? The quarterback play has to be, he's going to have to make a jump like Josh Allen did this year. Yeah, exactly. That's what I I agree with you. As strange as it sounds, a team that uh, isn't making the playoffs, you know, and is most likely going to end up with around a top 10 pick. We'll get into that in just a little bit here, but to go from that all the way to contention sounds strange, but it, I think that's the kind of jump that young teams have, you know, where all of a sudden something clicks and these young guys start playing at an elite level and boom, you can make a significant jump where it doesn't, it's not a linear type of growth. It's you just jump right into it. And I, I agree with Melvin that it really does rest on Drew's shoulders here. Um, I do think that Drew can do that. He's capable of taking that jump, but the rest of the roster doesn't really have any glaring holes. Uh, I And if you were to just ask me, I would say maybe adding some, some uh, youth at the, uh, and a number one draft pick, I would say I would definitely focus on the defense and probably cornerback I would say maybe uh, in the draft coming up I know it's early to start thinking like that but if I were to pick a spot on this roster I would say they could really use like a dominant shutdown corner type of player 
Yeah, I mean, uh, defense, absolutely. I think you could, uh, you know, justify going defense with your first three picks in next year's draft just because depending on what happens, again, with Jarrell Casey, A.J. Boye, if those guys are gone for whatever reason, um, and not that that's a guarantee, but you've got a hole now on your defensive line, you've got a hole at cornerback, um, Von Miller, whether he's back or not, he's obviously getting older. You could probably use a dominant pass rusher, which you often have to get early in the draft. Uh, Phil, to me, if, if you're thinking, hey, we're going to gear up for a run next season, maybe a free pass agency rusher. more. Yeah, exactly. Maybe a cornerback in free agency and maybe you draft along the defensive line or mm-hmm. uh, at that out, outside linebacker spot because we see it takes rookie cornerbacks a little bit longer to get into the feel of things. Um, but listen, I think teams around the league are dealing with that. You know, I'm sure the Cleveland Browns feel like they've got the talent, at least offensively, to compete for a Super Bowl. And it's going to come down to can Baker Mayfield outduel Josh Allen? Can Baker Mayfield get the best of Patrick Mahomes? And, you know, there are other elements to all these matchups. And if a team is really good past some of those things, like I don't think that Jared Goff, for example, is a better quarterback than like an Aaron Rodgers or a, um, a Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that, but they were able to get to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago because of the strength of their defense, the strength of their team. But ultimately to boil things down simply, can your quarterback get you a game winning drive when you need it? Can he make those plays in the fourth quarter? And I think a lot of, you know, we're going to find that out about Kyler Murray, about Josh Allen, about Baker Mayfield. And that's where the, you know, the long-term impressions get made. But Drew Locke at least needs to insert himself into that conversation because Phil, if you get to the point where you can't win with Sutton and Hamler and Fant and Judy and Gordon, what are you going to do when all of a sudden you've got to choose between do we keep uh, Noah Fant or do we keep Bradley Chubb or do we keep uh, Jerry Judy? You know, I mean, those, those decisions will have to come at some point and hopefully you keep all those guys. You'd like to keep all your high draft picks, but there are going to be times when it's, you know, Hey, maybe we can't keep a, a Tim Patrick who's been a valuable player. Maybe we can't re-sign, uh, you know, a Philip Lindsay or whoever it might be. Pieces are going to, they go away when you get better. You know, the Chiefs are going to lose pieces. The Broncos in, in 2015 lost pieces, but you got to take advantage now because it's just going to get more difficult. To play devil's advocate a little bit here, Eric, and uh, this isn't how I feel, but just uh, for the sake of conversation, if you really do think that there's a legitimate window there where the Broncos can win it all, do you think that decision makers should say, we don't have the luxury of being patient with Drew Locke? We need to go out and get a Matthew Stafford. We need to go out and get a Matt Ryan because we feel like if you insert a guy like that into this roster, the rest of the talent that's around, then we can legitimately win a Super Bowl. I mean, I think it's worth a conversation worth having. It's worth thinking about. I think that's why fans are frustrated maybe with the slow development of Drew Locke because they see the rest of the talent. They think, hey, we should make this jump. We can't stay at five and 11, six and 10 for this many consecutive years. Um, but Phil, a guy like Peyton Manning doesn't walk through the door every year. The Broncos have tried that stopgap solution. They've tried to get Case Keenum. They've tried to get Joe Flacco, who they presented at least as, and I know neither of those players are to the caliber that Matt Stafford is, for example, but they've tried to do that thing where you, a, a fix it quick type of attitude. Um, 
And when it hasn't worked, it's just kept the Broncos in the same kind of limbo. So I do think there's value in developing a quarterback. And so to me, if you decide you want to give Drew Locke another year, okay, I can buy into that. If you decide you cannot, or you've got to make a move because you just, you know, there's too many turnovers. He hasn't shown enough potential. He's not developing the way you want. To me, the right move is to get somebody younger. So if that's to draft another quarterback, if that's to go find a guy like a, you know, can you get Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold who can foreseeably be here for the next five to 10 years, you've got to keep the window open because we've seen teams, Phil, um, you know, the Broncos had a four-year window with Peyton Manning and won at once, but other teams, you know, maybe you have to go to the playoffs five, six, seven times before you finally break through. I mean, that's how, you know, John Elway, certainly he had to go a bunch of times before he was able to win it. So to me, sacrificing whatever sort of draft capital it would take to get a, a Matt Stafford or a Matt Ryan or a really high, you know, a, a great quarterback, is that going to put you in a situation where in two years, all of a sudden you're stuck again. And if it doesn't work out, you're in a bad spot for the next five years. I mean, to me, that's the, that's the danger, but yeah, I mean, it's worth considering because the rest of the roster is talented. Uh, and before this year, one of the things we talked about, uh, one of the reasons why it was exciting having Drew Locke develop in this system was that all of these guys are sort of at that same age where it's their second or third year. And so you hope that they all take these jumps and they rise together so that two years from now, you've got a lot of really good young players on the offensive side of the ball. And if you bring in a quarterback from the outside like that, then all of a sudden it disrupts that, that um, being on the same level type of thing. And like you mentioned, the window shrinks and it says, okay. And you say it's right now, but sometimes you got to go for it, Eric. And sometimes you got to recognize that, Hey, you got this talent. Let's go for it. Let's make a big move here and go all in. Um, so I think that is going to be one thing to pay attention to. I do think that the Broncos are behind Drew Locke. They're, they're all in on him here moving forward. But uh, one thing to just sort of note was what Melvin Gordon was talking. I thought it was sort of interesting just the way that he talked about Drew Locke said that he thought that uh, he's becoming more of a leader. He's becoming more vocal. It takes guys a little bit of time, but he's noticing that. And he says all, all the teammates are really behind Drew. They support him. Um, but just the fact that he said there's going to be a window here that he wants to be a part of, Melvin Gordon himself wants to be a part of, and he thinks that the make it or break it player is Drew Locke. That that puts a lot of pressure on a guy. And uh, Drew said, hey, that's a part of playing quarterback in the NFL is that you feel that pressure. Yeah. Well, and here's here's the other thing about the quarterback position, Phil, is that you can get a guy who is league average that can win you some games can get you to the wild card round. You know, I think the Broncos have to decide, is that Drew Locke's potential, that he is a guy that can be, you know, can avoid turning the ball over and be a league average type guy? Or does he have the potential, if he can get rid of these turnover issues, be more consistent, get another year? Can he be a, a top 10 type player? Because I think a lot of people would argue, Phil, that if you don't have that top 10 guy, you've got to keep looking for him. Even if you know, that means, I mean, that's, that's a problem that the Raiders have had, right? That you've got Derek Carr, who is, he's, he's almost too good to get rid of, but he's not quite good enough that he's 
in that MVP conversation that he can win you a game by himself, that he's like the, you know, there's always questions every year. That's like, are they going to move on from Derek Carr or not? But he's, he's just a little too good to move on from. And so you're kind of stuck. Is Drew Locke that kind of guy, or can he be Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, uh, Matt Ryan, Mahomes and, and Rogers right now are on a different level. And I think you can win a Super Bowl if you're not an MVP. I think that's certainly possible, but I think you, to win one, you have to have a guy that's in that Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen uh, type level, Russell Wilson. And so to me, that's part of the evaluation with Drew is, hey, right now he's playing like a bottom five quarterback statistically. Where can he get when he's good enough? Can he get to that top 10 or do we need to keep looking? And uh, like that's even true of the Broncos in 2015 when they won the Super Bowl. Like a lot of people just dismiss the play of Peyton Manning and say, well, he just wasn't himself and that defense did everything. But if you go back and really pay attention to some of those playoff games, Peyton made big plays in crunch time where he needed to and definitely avoided making the big killing killer mistake. So like while he wasn't the old Peyton Manning, he was still making big plays. And like in that Patriots game, he made a couple of touchdowns early in that game that the Broncos were able to hold on to, but they made those plays and got an, a lead, you know, even in the Super Bowl, the Broncos got the ball first and scored a lot of times that helps set the tone for a game, you know? So, and even in that Steelers game, that was a tight game in the divisional round and a couple of plays here and there that Peyton made late in that game helped the Broncos win. So you do need a quarterback that can make those plays if you want to be able to get through and survive a playoff run, you know, so. And one thing I'll say to fans, Phil, and we could spend hours talking just about the quarterback position, but there are people that want a, a Matt Ryan, a Matt Stafford, um, the Colts went to Phillip Rivers this year. A guy like Matt Stafford filled my concern, and you know maybe the Broncos trade for him. Who knows what happens this offseason? We know John Elway is unpredictable and, and <laughs> makes big moves. Matt Stafford has never been in contention to go to the Super Bowl, and has you know they are consistently five and eleven, six and ten with him under center. To me, that's a concern. That hmm. you know I think when there's a true uh, franchise elevating quarterback you raise the tide in your organization and you just, you're never at that level. And so to me, there are some of these instant fixes that might not be as instant or work as well as, as people think, Hmm. no matter how fun it is to think about. We know what's gone on with the lions over the years and we know what, what kind of quarterback talent Matt Stafford is. He just hasn't had the success with wins and losses. Matt Ryan though, on the other hand has played in a super bowl, Yep. Um, so he might be a guy who might be a little more enticing, especially after the way he played against the Broncos this year, got to see that up close and, and personal. So it's a difference between playing eight games in a dome and playing eight games in Denver. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You could probably throw it a lot farther in Denver. <laughs> That's right. I've, I've heard that before with <laughs> certain QBs. Uh, Eric, let's move on to our next topic here. And one of those young, talented pieces that the Broncos are going to be relying on moving forward here is tight end Noah Fant. Uh, Hasn't quite lived up to his own personal expectations and goals that he set for 2020, but he has shown some signs here or there to really take off. So um, what do you think, Eric? Does Does he still have 
that top three or four potential at the tight end position? Yeah, I mean, I think if you just look at the tight ends who are at the top of the league, it's Travis Kelsey, it's George Kittle as 1A and 1B. And then I would say the next tier that is, it's not far away, is Darren Waller, who um, a sixth round pick, I think back in 2015, it took him a couple of years to really get on the scene, but now has two consecutive seasons with uh, over 1,000 yards. He had 1,100 yards last year with 90 catches this year, 98 catches. So he's come onto the scene. And so that's after he had uh, 18 total catches his first three years. So first of all, it's just remarkable what he's been able to do. But if you look at the other tight ends that are in the top 10, you know, in, in catches and receiving yards, it's guys like TJ Hawkinson, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, Eric Ebron, Mark Andrews. Those are all guys that I think Noah already compares favorably to, you know, Noah's seventh in the NFL in reception, or excuse me, seventh among tight ends in receptions, eighth in receiving yards. He, uh, you know, he could pass depending on how he plays. He could move as high as fourth, probably. Um, Hawkinson is only six ahead of him right now. Ingram's only three ahead at five. Um, so yeah, Noah, Noah's playing in the range of like tight end four through eight, somewhere in there. And I think, Phil, there are very few players on the roster on Denver's roster who you could say are top 10 at their position or top borderline top five. I mean, you would say Justin Simmons. I think you could maybe make the argument for Bradley Chubb and Garrett Bowles. I know you're certainly in sack totals. You don't like the Bradley Chubb as much, but um, so, so maybe we just say Justin Simmons and maybe Garrett Bowles are the guys on your roster that you could argue are top five at their position. Von Miller went healthy, but yes. Yeah. And Noah is right there. So if anything, you could maybe argue Noah deserves a look at the Pro Bowl. Um, mm. You know, if they took three AFC tight ends, I think he would have had a great chance. They just take two. So it's Kelsey and Waller. Um, but Phil, the, the issue for Noah is just his production compared to expectations. It's, you know, Waller was a six round pick. Kelsey was a third round pick. Uh, Hunter Henry was a second round pick when you're taken 20th overall. I think there's just the expectation that you have to be one of those top two or three guys or else the value just isn't worth it. And that's nothing against Noah as a player. He's still really good. He's got 14 catches in the last two weeks, but if, if you're not a top two or three guy at your position, was it, could it have been better to take a different position at 20th? And the other thing that Noah faces is that a lot of his own personal production is really reliant on quarterback play. You know, a guy like Justin Simmons, he can go out there and be one of the best safeties by himself. You know, I mean, that just is dependent upon the way he plays personally. Noah, of course, uh, has to play within the confines of the offensive system. He has to really rely upon Drew to get him the ball. And we've seen him be featured in games the last couple of weeks, a little bit more so than he had been earlier in the year. Um, that catch that he made against the Bills was amazing in the end zone, you know, and I think that you see these bursts from Noah where he's making plays like that. The, the touchdown that he had last year against the Texans where he, you know, in the middle of the end zone there turns around and just catches a back shoulder type of thing. Those are the kind of plays that suggest to me that he has the talent to become that, that kind of a tight end. He just needs to be given that opportunity, in my opinion. Um, he's obviously got the speed so that when he's lined up against a linebacker, 
that's a mismatch that's favorable for the Broncos. And overall, I just really think that they could feature him more so than they have this season, you know, where even, even a couple of times, you know, you could have, you could envision in the future, Albert O and Noah Fant on the field together, really causing some problems. So I do think that Noah possesses the physical tools that a Waller or a Kelsey eventually, I mean, he could be like that. Um, so I just think that he's got to rely more upon the offensive system and drew than just going out there and playing his hardest. Yeah. And, you know, let's be fair to Noah. it took Kelsey three years in the league before he got to pro bowl status. Um, he got to all pro his fourth year, which was his first 1000 yard season. And, Travis Kelsey is a Hall of Famer. You know, he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. He's a two-time All-Pro. I think he has five consecutive seasons without with at least a thousand yards. Like, he's a once-in-a-generation player, and so it's tough for Noah to be compared to him. But the fact that he was taken in the first round and was, you know, uh, kind of shown as this guy who could match Kelsey, match Kittle with his athleticism that's the expectation to some degree. And so, yeah, you, you know, I think that in recent weeks, Noah's shown that he can do that. And I think there's been stretches throughout the season, Phil, where he shows what kind of mismatch he can be. There's been, you know, first half against the Titans, second half against the Steelers. There's been stretches where Noah will get five catches in a hurry and it's just clear the defense can't stay with him. We just need to see more of that. And I think with Cortland Sutton back, that'll help, but um, I'm not, down on Noah I think if if Noah were a third round pick I think you'd be like wow that was one of the the best picks they've made in a while it's just because he's a first round pick he's still got you know some expectations to live up to but I I certainly think he can be and I would be surprised if within the next year or two we're not talking about him as a pro bowler or a perennial top five type tight end guy I mean you mentioned Travis Kelsey uh, he's got a legitimate chance to lead the NFL in receiving yards this season. Only Stefan Diggs is ahead of him. So we'll have to see what happens here this final game. Don't think Patrick Mahomes is playing in this finale. So uh, might not have uh, as great a chance here, but I mean, just to be second in the league in receiving going up against ty- uh, wide receivers, that tells you what kind of season Travis Kelsey had, you know, you mentioned uh, the, expectations for Fant being greater, being a first round pick, you know, TJ Hawkinson, his Iowa teammate went ahead of him and made a pro bowl this season. I don't think anybody would consider TJ Hawkinson, one of those top three elite type of tight ends, but that's a guy that Fant is going to be compared to a lot. And Hawkinson, 698 yards this season, six touchdowns. So although uh, playing, you know, for a team that struggled this year with Detroit, he was still able to have some uh, uh, decent production there. And, you know, uh, a a lot of receptions, 64 catches this year, uh, 98 targets. So, you know, those are, those are the kind of guys that no fans can be compared to. And that's just life in the NFL. You know, when you're making this kind of money and you're the best of the best in the entire world to do what you do, it comes with a lot of expectations. Yeah. And I mean, Hawkinson has six more catches than Noah Fant and like 50 more yards. It's not like he's blowing them out of the water. And But six touchdowns, Yeah, and, you know, I think if you look at anyone on Denver's roster, their touchdown total is probably not 
what you expect. And even Cortland Sutton, Phil, last year when he was really good, his touchdown total still doesn't compare maybe to like the top guys in the league at the wide receiver position. It's more about um, receptions, receiving yards. Uh, you know, Cortland had six touchdowns last season. That's, and I believe that led the wide receiving core. So um, there haven't been a whole lot of touchdown passes to go around. I think Drew's only thrown what, 13 or 14. So that's, that's part of the issue, as you mentioned. Um, but, and plus Melvin Gordon has eight of them, you know, a lot of these one yard scores that he's kind of taken, but yeah, Noah's got to continue to show up in the end zone. I would say, Phil, there haven't been a lot of situations where like Noah's had a chance in the end zone and has missed it. You know, the, the one against last week against the chargers comes to mind, but could probably use a little bit better of a pass there. Yeah. And that's why I speak to more targets. And the only reason I make a big deal about touchdowns is that when you think of tight ends and you think of yeah. no fan, you think of real valuable weapons in the red zone. So, um, yeah, I, I asked him that a few weeks ago and I said, Hey, you, you know, you haven't been as successful in the red zone, but do people maybe underestimate the value of having a tight end that can work in the middle of the field? Cause that's where we see a Kelsey, a Kittle do so much of their damage. And he was saying, yeah, I mean, it's obviously tighter down in the red zone, but it's still difficult to get open in the middle of the field and have a catch and run. And, you know, we've seen enough of the Chiefs playing the Broncos where you know how much it hurts when it's third and 10 and Kelsey catches one wide open in the middle of the field and runs for 20 yards. So that's important too. Kelsey is particularly good at back-breaking type of plays where you think you've got him stopped, it's third and forever, and he just somehow makes a play. That's the kind of player Kelsey is. He just drives opponents crazy. Eric, do you like, would you like, do you have another point? I'll say, I'll save it for fill in the blank. I was going to say, if you'd like to, uh, let's go on to fact, fact, and fiction. Perfect. You like that? You think that'd be good? Yeah. Eric, I saw you were tweeting some statistics out earlier, so that might impact this game here, but I still think um, it'll be a nice little exercise. Okay. Okay. Uh, The Broncos are playing the Raiders this weekend to wrap up the season. We know that the Broncos played the Raiders last season in the finale. The NFL likes to, uh, you know, when they make the schedule, they like to envision this finale as a game that has playoff implications. So a lot of times you're facing a division opponent. So it makes sense that you see the Raiders here in this week 17 matchup. But interestingly, Interestingly enough, Eric, five out of the last eight season finales have come against the Raiders. Five out of the last eight season finales have been Broncos versus Raiders. Okay. Okay. Number two here, Eric, you might want to make sure you pay a lot of attention to this one. Melvin Gordon needs just 107 yards rushing to hit the 1,000-yard mark for the second time time in his career eric it would mark the sixth consecutive season for the broncos having a 1000 yard rusher we know that philip Lindsay did it the last two years before him with cj anderson before him a lot of people forget this one Devontae booker and then before him that super bowl season eric 2015 ronnie hillman a 1000 yard rusher okay why are you smiling because i uh miss ronnie hillman yeah yeah okay and then the last one here eric um tim patrick 
we were just talking about touchdown receptions. He leads the Broncos with six this season. You know, he was ejected from that first game against the Raiders this season. He so he, he might have a little extra motivation heading into this one. Like I mentioned, six touchdowns this season. If he gets one more, he'd be the first Broncos player to have seven touchdown catches since 2014. Mm. He'd be the first Broncos player to have seven touchdown catches since 2014. Did a... 2014. Interesting. Did Julius Thomas have seven and 14 or was he gone by then? I'm trying to remember. I think he might've been already gone. Um, Phil, I, I think that one's true. The Tim Patrick, that to me sounds right. I think maybe Emmanuel Sanders had seven, maybe Demarius Thomas had seven. Peyton could throw the ball around obviously. So probably a bunch of people had seven. Noah fan would probably have 25 touchdowns. <laughs> At least in 2014. At least. And then that uh, the standout finishing with the Raiders seems right as well. I know this year they finished with the Raiders. Last year they finished with the Raiders. You know, I, I think back uh, a couple years before that, they finished with the Raiders. That one that one <laughs> seems interesting to me as well. I think uh, – I, I, like your... Devont- I don't think Devontae Booker got to 1,000 yards, Phil. Really? You don't think so? I don't. I don't. That is, uh, you are correct uh, there, Eric. The Broncos uh, will, if they get a, uh, if Melvin Gordon gets 107 yards this uh, Sunday, he will reach 1,000 yards just for the second time in his in his career. I, I found that surprising. I thought maybe he had uh, hit that mark a little bit more often than that. But uh, the last two years, we know that Philip Lindsay has done it. And then in uh, 2017, C.J. Anderson did it. But that's where the streak stops for the Broncos. Um, is that, no, that might that must be like one of the longest streaks in the NFL if Melvin Gordon gets it, probably. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Although I have not confirmed that, but you think that you you probably know that, huh? You probably just know that. I just there's a lot of facts floating yeah. around up here, Phil. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly enough, though, the Broncos did not have a 1,000 yard rusher that 2015 season. That was a, a sort of surprising to me. I thought maybe, you know, you think that they really relied on C.J. Anderson. You would have thought maybe he got there. Maybe Ronnie busted a couple. You know, you would have thought he got there. But no 1,000-yard rusher that year, Eric. Phil, so there, there are a couple teams. Or excuse me, just oh, – okay. Two, one team that uh, has three consecutive 1,000-yard rushers in addition to the Broncos and one team that's uh, – particularly close to doing that. Mm. Can you name those? Who features the ground game a lot? Is that what I should be thinking? Or should I be thinking more along the lines of star running backs? I'm kind of both. Um, the Vikings, would they be? Uh, two consecutive. They did mm. not rush for 1,000 in 2018. Okay. Uh, the Chiefs, maybe? No, incorrect. They never run the ball. They just always pass it. They have not had a 1,000-yard rusher since 2017. Hmm. I, hmm. Which okay. maybe says a little bit about the value of the running game, but what do I know? Let's see. Did Edwards Elaire, he not? He didn't get there this year, huh? No. He's like on IR or something. He is, I think, but yes, I thought maybe. Yeah. Um, who Who is it? Just tell me. I don't know. Uh, the Tennessee Titans. Oh, of course, King Henry. 
Yeah. And then uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Ezekiel. But he, they uh, won't get there this year. That's what I'm saying. He, I said one who has done it, one who might. Zeke is within 50 yards. And so I thought if we included Melvin as a guy who could get there, it made some sense to include uh, Zeke as another possibility. Mm, got it. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, three out of the last four years, have done it. Did not in 2018. Do you want to be in the same stat category as, as them? Uh, we are. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> um, Eric, uh, surprising how much uh, accuracy you had with the guys that you named it for that 2014 season. Uh, Julius Thomas had 12 touchdowns that year. He was with the Broncos in 2014. Demarius Thomas had 11 touchdowns, and Emmanuel Sanders had nine. That's wild. I didn't know you could have that many touchdowns. <laughs> That's I right. didn't know that was allowed. I don't think uh, – I mean, Noah Fan has six career touchdowns, and I think Cortland Sutton has ten career touchdowns. Yeah, Julius had 12 that year. And that's not even the crazy year that Peyton Manning had. That I was probably, not even his 55 – Must have scored a lot of points. I don't really know <laughs> what that's like. So, yeah. Uh, we'll have to see if Tim Patrick uh, can get there. Does have a little extra motivation, though, I will say, Eric. So yes. with that, let's move on to our next topic here and talk about what's on the line for the Broncos this Sunday as they get set to face the Raiders. Drew Locke said that all he cares about is getting a win this Sunday. I think that's the feeling that a lot of the players and coaches have. Let's just try and get a win. But Eric, the way that we like to think about things here, we think bigger picture. We like to really explore the minutiae. Wow. Just, Did yeah. Swanson give you that? No, I just came up with that right now. Wow. I'm impressed. What is on the line for the Broncos, Eric, here? Uh, a, a win or a loss? How would that affect the Broncos draft order come, mm. f- come uh, April when they're uh, trying to find that next superstar? Phil. We're not geniuses here at the neutral zone. We just do the best we can. We've looked at the draft order, at the teams that have won more games than the Broncos, at the teams that have won fewer games than the Broncos. Our best guess here, Phil, our minds, they worked really hard, is that if everything goes the Broncos' way, so that's like six or seven teams all losing, we think the best the Broncos can do is get to the fifth overall pick. And according to some That's a bunch of teams winning. Correct. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Six or seven teams winning, the Broncos losing. We think the Broncos can get all the way to the fifth pick. If the Broncos win and a bunch of teams that are currently uh, behind them in the draft order, if they lose, we think the Broncos could fall all the way to 15. So a 10 spot differential there. Um, so the, the difference there is monumental, you know, just because the type of it's about options. When you're at the fifth overall pick, your options are much, much higher. If you decide, hey, if Justin Fields is there or if Zach Wilson is there or if Trey Lance is there, you know, if you fall in love with a quarterback and you decide this is a guy who does have top three potential and, you know, we're going to make a move the way that the the Cardinals did with Kyler Murray, it gives you options there. If you decide you want a dominant edge rusher or cornerback or defensive lineman or, or whoever it might be, you've got options there. If you decide a quarterback needy team that wants to come come up and you want to trade back a few spots to eight or 10 or whatever, 
you can still get a dominant football player gives you options. If you're at 15, Phil, you're kind of beholden to what other teams do. And, you know, that's what we saw this year. The Broncos had Jerry Judy first on their board. They wanted Jerry Judy, but the Raiders had to pass on Jerry Judy in order for him to get there. And, you know, they did. The Broncos lucked out in that regard. But, you know, not as much control in the process. And so it is a big deal, those 10 spots. And in all likelihood, Phil, what happens is that you don't, you're not 15 or 5. You know, you probably end up, are you 8 or 9 or 10 or 11 or somewhere in there. But I think what it boils down to, Phil, is you lose this weekend, you get a top 10 pick, you win, and you don't. Exactly. Uh, there are a lot of teams clustered around the Broncos, which makes this – particularly interesting. There's two teams that are four, 10 and one. Okay. There's two teams that are there. Then there's four teams that are at five and 10, which is of course the Broncos record. And then there's six teams at six and nine. So there's a lot of teams clustered right around where the Broncos are. And uh, like you mentioned, 10, a 10 pick swing is a big deal at five. You're talking about a player like Bradley Chubb who can alter the future of the franchise at 15, unless you really get lucky and you really hit, you're talking about a guy who's going to be a long-term starter, but maybe not like a, a dominant force in, in the league as a whole, unless you hit, I mean, you could still find that guy, but you're not talking about, and it, it, it obviously depends on positions too, but you know, when you're talking about a top five pick, you're talking about the, the best of the best coming out. At 15, it's a little bit of a different feel. Eric, I thought for sure the Broncos were going to have the 20th overall pick this year because a couple of years ago they had five. Then the next year they had 10. Last year they had 15. I thought for sure 20 was going to be the natural uh, pick for the Broncos here. But uh, alas, we find ourselves uh, somewhere around 10 is where I would say, you know, that's where they sit right now, right? At 10? 10 is correct, yeah. And um, you know, we should have a good idea, you know, at the end of the night on Sunday where the Broncos are this past year, it took a little bit longer to figure it out because the Broncos and bills had the exact same strength of schedule uh, for however that worked out. And so there was like a weird tiebreaker that had to happen. And at first it seemed like a coin flip might decide it. And then they decided the bills just got the higher pick for whatever reason. And so um, we'll have to see this year what happens, but we should know Sunday night, where the Broncos are picking. And then the, the fun kind of begins at that point. And Phil, you want them to pick five because you want to be able to look back in two years and say that you made the wrong pick. No, I don't want to do that, Eric. I don't like to do that. That, that pains one, me. That was just a one-time thing. I don't really do that actually ever. Um, I, I just like to uh, examine. and should go back to Bill's week maybe and just see what you were talking about. For academic purposes, strictly, Eric. That's where, that's where we like to, uh, you don't like to do that. You just, you talk about other people. I like to examine and explore thoughts. Okay. Got it. That's what I like to do. Yeah. And more of an, just an academic purpose is not actually how I feel about things. If it were just me, Eric, I would love to beat the Raiders. I, I, anytime you could beat the Raiders, I like that. Okay. And, and let the draft pieces fall as they may. If you got a chance to beat the Raiders, you beat the Raiders. Actually, you try to beat whoever they're playing. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I get that. And, you know, I think there's value, for example, in last year, like the fact that Drew went four and one and you were able to, 
um, have the success that you had. And I know everyone in this building wants to win, but I think long-term it does hurt you, obviously. Like say last year you went two and three instead of four and one, you probably would have gone forward with Drew anyway, but you would have had a top 10 pick that maybe could have helped in some way. You still could have gotten Jerry Judy if you wanted him, uh, but maybe you could have also gotten an impact linebacker. Obviously we know that a guy like Patrick Queen was on their radar. Um, so, you know, they could have like, still taken Patrick Queen they, where they were. I think they, <laughs> think they tried. Um, I just think that in a year or so, you're not really going to care if you lost one, if you were six and 10 versus five and 11, but you but might you care. Like, care about beating the Raiders though. Got it. That's always nice. I'll say that. Um, yes. You don't want to be stuck in mediocrity. Do you know what Correct. I mean? That's not what you, you want to be on the extremes. You know, you want to either be really good or really bad. Yes. Like us. But we're sort of in the middle. Exactly. You're talking about us as a podcast, right? Yes, as a podcast. Yeah, we're either yeah. really good or we're really bad. Yeah. We never just kind of have an average show. It's either no. a really, really good show or like this one, really. I think, I think this has been nice. Oh. I don't know. For me, it's been nice at least. I mean, I enjoy it. I feel it. like I, I've made some good points, I feel like. And I got <laughs> fact, fact, and fiction, right? Yeah. Is, this is much better than last week for you. I'll say that. Yeah. Eric, uh, with that in mind, let's get to your favorite segment here, and that is Phil in the blank. Perfect. Phil, so these tend to uh, take a little bit longer than uh, they used to in the old days, but I think that's good because we get into some nice discussion. I know we've got our zonies coming next week, so I'm not going to focus on, on this year too much, but I want to look ahead to next year if that's okay with you a little bit. This fits in, with our, it fits in with our conversation about Noah Fant. Blank will be the Broncos' best offensive player in 2021. Mm. This I'm is. Sure, I'm sure well, we'll talk about this a ton. You know, we'll talk about this now. We'll talk about it after the draft. We'll talk about it before the season. But just now, what do you what do you think? And um, uh, this is who I think will actually be it, or who I think needs to become that. Wow. This is. <laughs> like who needs to be the Broncos best player next off? You can you can say you can say I both think? if you want to. Um I think the Broncos best offensive player next year will be Cortland Sutton. Okay. That's what I think. I think he he'll, he's been rehabbing hard. I think that he's going to come back and really uh I think he was about to take off this year first of all. I, I really did. I thought he was going to. And assuming that he makes a full, complete recovery from his ACL, there's no reason why he shouldn't be the best offensive weapon that the Broncos have. Okay. That's who what I need, think. Who needs to be? Drew needs to be the Broncos' best offensive player next year. So you think Drew will be the quarterback in 2021? I do. Okay. I do. I think that Drew – I think they're all in on Drew. I think they're going to – proceed with him i think this is going to be a big off season for drew he mentioned on wednesday that hey now that he's played an entire season now he has a lot of game film where he can go back and look at his tendencies his incompletions his interceptions whereas last off season all he had were those five games they were a little bit 
different types of games. Like there was that game in the snow, not a lot to like really dissect there. There was a game against Houston where he just lit, lit thing, the world on fire and not a lot to go back and look at there. But this year, more um, average type of, you know, things are going to average out over the course of an entire season. So he can go back and look and really make a jump. I think that having, hopefully, knock on wood here, a more traditional type of offseason where they have an OTA and offseason program is going to help him. And I think that for the Broncos to get to where they want to go, he's got to be their best offensive player next year. Wow. I like so that, Phil. A little bit different questions. Yeah, no, they are. So what do you think? Um, I think it's going to be Jerry Judy. Oh. Yeah. I, That's you cool. know, I think <laughs> – I think Noah Fant, uh, the reason I asked is because you know how much I liked Noah coming into this year. I think Noah will continue to be a dominant player next year, and I think he will take that step into top five territory of tight ends. But I just think when Corlin comes back, Jerry's going to benefit from both this year of having to be treated like the number one receiver, facing top corners, facing additional coverage. When Corlin comes back and takes some of that away, I think he's going to be even more open like you said, hopefully another year with Drew helps and that um, he should, you know, push that 1,000-yard mark next year. So I, I think he'll take a big jump. Maybe most productive player is how I should put it. doesn't necessarily mean he will he is the best player, but most productive, I think, will be Judy. Um, Phil, kind of in a similar vein, we, t- we talked about all these injuries, and maybe you answered it, so maybe give me somebody else other than Corlin, but who is the, the most important player to get back next year well if Vaughn it comes back I would say it's Vaughn um you know I noticed this uh on Wednesday to Eric when Melvin Gordon was talking to the press it had a refreshing feel around that press conference because he is an established player in the NFL we know what he's capable of he's a pro bowler he's he is what he is he's going to bring it every game you know I had gotten so used to talking about potential and where do you think this guy, how can you develop? Where can you go? How big is this off season going to be for you? Those are the kind of questions we get nearly every press conference. But when Melvin's up there talking, he talks with so much confidence and he knows what he is. And I, I hearing that in his voice, I was like, gosh, it's nice to have, to hear from a guy like Melvin, who you just know is a baller in this league. Did That's you say Vaughn or no? Yes. I, I'm getting to there. Okay. That's the, and I was thinking about this Broncos roster. There's not a ton of guys who are like established, like they're in the primes of their career on this roster right now. But Vaughn is one of those guys who's like established and he is, who he is and he's done things at the highest possible level in this league. And when he talks to the media, very similar, you know, uh, tone and similar types of confidence. And I was like, God, this Broncos team could really use more of that, more of that just established guy who we know what he is and he's just going to bring it. And he's one of the best at his, his position. And that is what Vaughn is, and that's what he brings, and that's what this team's been missing this year. Is just a guy who, it's third down. We need a big play. This guy's going to do it, and uh, we've been the Broncos have been missing that. And I think that uh, 
it'll be nice to get him back if if things work out with his contract and everything. Uh, a guy who come back healthy. We've seen him running around a little bit out at practice. Uh, definitely doing the most physical activity we've seen so far this year on Wednesday out at practice. So that is a guy who I think if he comes back, he's just going to he's going to make Bradley so much better in the same way you think that Cortland will make Jerry better. Yeah. And my answer is Cortland. You know, I just think he was poised for such a big season that his loss, especially the connection he already had with Drew and the, the comfort that he had, you know, if, if there was one guy that could have gotten hurt, that was the worst case scenario for Drew, it was Corlin just because new, no preseason games, no off season, but you had a guy that you knew you could go to on third down and he would catch it. He would make you look good. He would, you know, he's a leader inside that room. He makes everybody better. And then he's gone, you know, a uh, half into week two and doesn't play week one. And I just think that hurt Drew so much that you've got to almost evaluate the whole season within that lens of Drew never had his number one receiver. That was the guy he was most comfortable with. So cannot overstate the impact of getting Cortland Sutton back. A lot of overlap in this segment, Eric. Did you think of these out all the way through? Uh, did you think I was going to fall for Devontae Booker having a thousand yards rushing or what? That's what I was. That's what I was hoping you would say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, we're done here. Did you have one more or no? No, just two this week. Oh, okay. A double, I, a, a twin pack, a double. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Erica, real quick here before we wrap up the show, any uh, New Year's resolutions for the Broncos? Yeah, here's a big one, Phil. You know, they say that you've got to, you know, when they talk about loving yourself and making yourself whole and being the best version of yourself. Sometimes you can't, you can't love someone else unless you love yourself first. Yes, I know. Exactly. One of the things, uh, one of the steps you have to take, sometimes you have to be a taker, not a giver, Phil. Sometimes you have to selfish. take some time for yourself. Yeah, you have to be a little selfish. The Broncos, they got to take away more balls from the opponent. They had more interceptions, more forced fumbles, more fumble recoveries, and they got to stop being so generous on the offensive end and giving the ball away. They've got a minus 20 turnover margin this year. The next closest team, Phil, do you know what they're at? Uh, minus 10, is it? Minus 10. That's not good when you've doubled up the second worst team in the league. So the Broncos, be a little more selfish. Keep the football to yourself. No sharing. No more friends. What? What do you, yeah, I was going to say a lot of people like to say sharing is caring. Not me. They don't, you don't want them to care about their opponents, right? No, I don't. Yeah. I mean, just a little ridiculous. Yes. I any, agree. Any from I you? Agree. Uh, it's crazy to think that minus 20, if you take away all of Drew's interceptions this season, they would still be in the red in the turnover margin. Yeah, I mean, I think that Jeff Driscoll also threw a few, and so Rippin. did uh, Brett Rippon. Yes. I think they've thrown 16 but, interceptions. But Drew, who is tied for the most interceptions in the NFL at 15, if you take those all away, they're still minus five in the turnover margin. Uh-huh. That's crazy. That's they've crazy. Thrown, they've thrown 23 interceptions. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you take if you took all, away, if you took all those away, if you took every interception away, they'd be in the positive. That makes you think. That does it, make you think. It, it, you know, the giveaways I kind of I get just because Drew's been inconsistent. 
you know, you had the Jeff Driscoll games, Kendall Hinton threw a couple, Brett Rippon threw three um, in one game. You know, I can understand why that number is so high. I still don't get why, and maybe it'll just click, but Vic Fangio's defense was, you know, it prided itself on getting to the quarterback and forcing turnovers. And we've seen some big stretches here in both seasons where they haven't been able to do either one of those. And so that's got to get better too. And listen, I get that part of that, Phil, has to do with the fact that the Broncos have played from behind so much that teams just don't take these chances. But there have been times here where the Broncos certainly uh, the last few years where teams have had game-winning drives where a strip sack or a a forced fumble or an interception could have made a big difference and they haven't gotten it done. And last year, Phil, first year of Vaughn's career that he's played, obviously, this year doesn't count, that he did not have a forced fumble. That's got to, it's got to get better. Yeah. And, uh, one thing that we've heard Vic Fangio talk a little bit about is the cornerbacks playing a little bit too scared, a little bit too soft, a little bit nervous about giving up the big home run ball. It's hard to get interceptions when you're playing so far off. You yes. know, if you don't really challenge the quarterback, if you don't really try to make a break on the ball, uh, it's hard to make an interception. You're just pretty much hoping that the quarterback makes a mistake. And, um, you know, they've had a lot of health problems at that position too, Eric, with Bryce Callahan missing a lot of time at the end of the season here and obviously A.J. Boye getting uh, suspended. So the hopefully uh, that, that uh, turnover margin improves. I was just going to go more general and just say get healthy. Let's have a healthy 2021. I think uh, that, uh, that counts for a lot more than just football injuries, but I'm hoping that this Broncos team can – can, it was just a shell of what it should have been this year, Eric. And it really, um, when Vaughn got hurt right before the the opener against the Titans, man, did that just take the sa- the wind out of the Broncos' sails? And I think that if if he's healthy and Jarrell Casey's healthy and Corlin Sutton is healthy and you know uh, um, maybe Jawan James is is not uh, opting out for COVID and you know just all these a, things. A COVID. The COVID. Yes, exactly. The COVID, you know, all of these things together, gosh, this team could have been much better than it, than it uh, ended up being at the end of the season here, because, you know, I don't think anybody wanted to be five and 10 at this point, Eric. And uh, unless you did, you, cause you're always thinking long play. You're like this year, the Broncos not really going to be winning at all. So might as well as have a terrible season, get a better draft pick. And then next year they could go for it. Yeah. I think it makes sense. <laughs> okay, so those are our uh, New Year's resolutions there. Winning the turnover margin, I think that that's going to be a big deal. And then also staying healthy. Eric, let's uh, get some shout-outs here and wrap this bad boy up. Shout-out Liz Manis. Of course. The community work uh, coming to a close here on this 2020. The yeah. Zooms. Yeah, the Zoom minutes are about to expire. Um, you know, what is... What are they going to do when Zoom is no longer a thing? Which we hope, knock on wood, is before too long that we're able to return, be in person for all these recordings. But the community is just going to be different. You know, Eric, I don't think that Zoom is ever going to just go away. I think this is going to be a permanent fixture in the way business is done in this country and across the world, really. I do think that that is one of the things during this pandemic that 
uh, uh, people have been introduced to it and they've uh, adapted, they've gone creative with it. And I think that it's something that's going to stick around uh, moving forward. I know that personally, one of the things that I've enjoyed about Zoom is that I've been able to talk to anybody across the country, Eric. It's been crazy this year. We did this, uh, we started this series called Broncos Legends. Um, I've been able to connect with alumni that live all across the country and they are all, it doesn't matter how old they are, how long ago that they played, they all know what Zoom is and they all know how to connect. They all know how to get their lighting right. Uh, they all know how to make sure their audio sounds somewhat decent, you know? What about their backgrounds? Their backgrounds, nobody can beat yours, Eric. I'll just say that, you know? Thank you. Nobody can contend with the abyss that's behind you or the New York skyline that we traditionally find. Traditionally, yes. Traditionally behind you there, so. But yes, shout out to uh, Liz Manis. I think that the community department had one of those super duper Zoom accounts, the Uber super duper. Yes. Zoom, Zoom. Important. Yes, because they spent a lot of time doing that. Yeah. So shout out to the community department. Anything else you'd like to touch on here, Eric, before we uh, say goodbye to 2020 and also say goodbye to the listeners? <laughs> Forever? No, no, just this episode. Okay. Well, no, I'm just looking forward to the Zonies next week, Phil, or whenever that comes. That's uh, yeah, going to be exciting. The Zonies. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that'll be uh, our end of the season award show. Yeah. Maybe we could get a host or something. Oh, like to host the show? Or like just... host, host the Zonies. Got it. I was going to ask you, did you get your, te- uh, your tuxedo pressed? Yes. Yeah, of course. We're gonna it stays it. pressed, so you We're don't have to get, get it pressed. Get some chilies takeout. That's, uh, of course, a necessity. Yes. Hopefully nobody throws uh, a beverage at us. Hopefully not. You know, they just say, you suck. That would be nice. Yeah. But yeah, the Zonies next week. Can't wait. No, that should be a nice little show there. So, All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we talked about... Just to sum up things here real quick, uh, Eric, we talked about this Bron- the, this Broncos team and their window moving forward. Is, is it there? Based off of Melvin Gordon's comments, he believes so, and he thinks that the player who's going to make it or break it for the Broncos is Drew Locke. We also discussed uh, the future uh, potential for Noah Fant, and uh, most recently here we just talked about What's on the line for the Broncos this Sunday as they face the Raiders in terms of their draft order? Anywhere from, we think, 5 to 15. Emphasis on the we think that, because yes. that could just not be true at all. Right. Yeah. We, we are, what, about 90% sure that the 5, going up to 5, we think that that is true. That's possible. Yes. Yes. The 15, we just don't know. I'm, I'm 80% sure. 80% sure. So, all right. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you could leave a voicemail at 707 neutral or Eric, there's a way to leave an email. That's right. Neutral zone show at gmail.com. That's it. Send one email, send them all. What? Just one email a week, please. Ben Swanson, his, his, uh, email inbox. provider, his inbox. It's too, the storage is not handling it. Okay. His internet provider says that his data usage the last couple of weeks it's a, it's costing him a fortune. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. You know, 
and it's really taking away from his time to be able to draw. So that's right. He's of course an A. Yes. An artist. Yeah. So uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us directly, it's at Eric Dalala on Twitter at Phil Milani with a PH on Twitter, non-traditional spellings, Eric with an A never heard of that before in my life, but that's how you can get in touch with us. So we'll be back on Monday to uh, wrap things up after the Raiders game and also uh, a more of an end of the season type of show. And then later on in the week, we'll have the zonies, but until then, for Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to The, the Neutral, Neutral Zone. Zone. This is Bronco Batman. And you're listening to The Neutral Zone. <laughs>